Amen. Amen. Hey, since last time Carlos uh, led us in worship, uh, he tied the knot, everybody. Woo! So all you single ladies, forget about it. You had your chance. You had your chance. He's off the market now. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> all right, friends. <laughs> yeah, um, as we were singing songs and I was greeting people coming in, it just struck me again how this might really be actually like one of the most packed hours and a bit, if we're going to be honest, one of the most packed hours of our week. We are always trying to do a lot with our Sunday gathering. We are welcoming one another in fellowship, recognizing we are a part of the body of Christ. We have brothers and sisters going through faith with us. We come in here and we want to worship God. We want to glorify his name. We want to lift our voices and praise to him. And we were made to be worshiping creatures. And so we are just doing what we are made to do when we worship our creator Instead of any created thing, we come to God's word and we are saying, conform us more and more to your truth, to your son, Jesus Christ. And I, I say it often, but I think it often bears repeating. Out there in the world, and it is God's world, and God's common grace is out there in the world, and God's beauty is out there in the world, and wonderful things are out there in the world. But if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of things that happen in our lives throughout the week that really kind of want to deform the image of Christ in us and deform our perspective of the world and pull us away from God. We are in a spiritual battle. And every time we come here, we are again saying, God, conform us more and more to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to find our place in the body of Christ. Reveal to us and empower and equip us for all that you are calling us to do. And really, if you are only getting this hour of worship, you know, there's a lot competing with that throughout the week. And so when I invite you and encourage you to participate in other things, it is just because I'm wanting all of us more and more to be conformed to that perfect image and likeness of Christ. Please get into a group where people know your name, where you can pray together, where you can celebrate together, or you can uh, cry and grieve together. Get into community groups. Get into some serving opportunities that we have here in the church. Man, when you start using your hands and your feet to do good works in the name of Christ, man, that just blesses other people and it just blesses and touches our hearts and our lives in so many ways. Uh, so, so again, um, I'm just we come here and let's just fully, you came here, amen, praise God. Let's just fully now commit ourselves to God, to Jesus Christ. Uh, just open minds, open hearts, open lives for how he wants to shape and make and mold us more and more into his people. I know I need that. So let me say a prayer and we're gonna jump then right into the word here. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word and I, as I come in your servant, please may the meditations of uh, my heart and the words of my mouth now uh, only reflect what is revealed uh, in your word for us by your truth and by your grace. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord and all God's people say... Amen. All right, you're with me. Hey, uh, yesterday we had our men's breakfast and we played a little game to get things going. Uh, it was a great time of fellowship, by the way. If you're a dude, come out every men's breakfast. We're doing it once a month now. Good times, good times. But we did some, uh, had some fun with the um, would you rather game. And so we got into some fun would you rathers with some superpowers. And it turns out guys really would like to have superpowers. Who here would like to have super strength? Anybody? Super strength. Who wants super healing abilities? 
Who wants super speed? We always want all of these senses. Nobody said they wanted super smell. Nobody really said that's the superpower I want, super smell. Um, one of the things that came up was, would you rather, uh, I forget what it was, but the other one was, or have um, x-ray vision. Who here ever, so, okay, on, on the theme of superpowers, I guess I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm old enough that I remember not watching superhero, superpower movies. I remember reading comic books about superheroes. Who here, who here are comic book fans? Any other comic book fans? Good, good, a couple others. Who here remembers the back of the comic book where they were trying to sell you uh, little prank things, uh, little gadgets, little magic tricks, little knickknacks, little things. And who here remembers? I feel like this was the one they were always pushing. The x-ray glasses, right? They were always pushing the x-ray glasses. Please tell me they didn't actually work because my parents never let me order that. I wanted those x-ray glasses so bad, but my parents are like, we're not going to let you throw away your money, George. If they really worked, I'm gonna be so mad. Well, listen, I don't know if we can, uh, if the world can make good on the promise of x-ray glasses, just kind of see through walls and see around corners and see our friends and our enemies and whatever else. But the passage we are about to dive into is going to tell us that we get a different set of lenses through which we are going to see the world. We're gonna see people, we're gonna see all of God's creation, we're gonna see time, we're gonna see opportunities, we're gonna see our own resources. We're gonna start to see things differently when Christ comes into our lives and we actually start to experience conformity to Christ and transformation of our old selves. But like Uncle Ben always said, what did he always say? Oh, I, and all right, thank you so much. Somebody knew exactly what he was talking about. With great power comes great responsibility. With this superpower to see things differently, to have changed eyes, a changed, transformed way of seeing the world, with this great power will come great responsibility. And the great responsibility that we're gonna be given has a title. And the title is the Ministry of Reconciliation. With your transformed, conformed eyes to Jesus Christ, I am now giving you the responsibility to engage in now a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation of what? Everything. Let's read our passage and see what this ministry of reconciliation is all about. I've given up on the technology. Chris, you're gonna have to follow it along on the screen for me because I cannot chew gum and walk at the same time. Here we go. We are gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter five. We're gonna pick up in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Our eyes have been changed. Our view of all things is being transformed. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, 
be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me read chapter six, just verses one and two, because it ends so profoundly. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Guess what? I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. You can say it. That's why I say it. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Amen. We are in our journey to cross, our Lenten season journey from baptism, from giving our life to Jesus Christ to the cross, and what we're going to learn today, fully embracing this ministry of reconciliation. Well, friends, my first conversion happened whenever I was a kid. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up, as I've often said, as a drug baby. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. I was drugged to worship. I was drugged to Sunday school. I was drugged to VBS. I was drugged whenever the doors were open to be at church. And my first conversion came as a child. And let's call it kind of a, uh, a ministry of rescue. I was told that I needed rescued by God. I was told that there was a choice between life and death, between heaven and hell, between eternity with God or eternity apart from God. And I wasn't the brightest uh, light bulb, you know, in, in, in the house as a kid, but I, I wasn't completely inept. And I kind of put together life or death, life. With God, without God, I'll take God. So I embraced a ministry of rescue. God was extending rescue. God was extending salvation to me. And so I actually remember the Sunday when I went public with my desire to be rescued by God. I grew up in a good old Billy Graham evangelistic crusade kind of church. I know I've said it often, but every Sunday ended with just as I am without one plea. But you can say it too. You can even sing it. But that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. So every Sunday, we sang that song until somebody was going to give their life to Jesus. But it actually went like this. And some of you, maybe this is going to like bring back memories, hopefully no trauma. It was really a beautiful way to do a service. But at first, everybody had to bow your head and close your eyes, right? Remember that? With every head bowed, with every eye closed. And you had an opportunity, you had a moment where you could embrace the rescue of Jesus Christ. I confess my sin. I call upon your forgiveness. I receive you today as my savior. Right after that, you had the opportunity to go public with it. If you wanted, you could then go forward and pray with the pastor or meet with somebody. And you could even talk about being baptized. And I remember the Sunday, everything kind of fell into place for me. Oh, okay, I, I, I get it. It kind of makes sense now. I believe in God. I believe in this God sort of worldview in life. And now it makes sense. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't die but have eternal life sounds like a great deal to me i'm in raised my hand went forward said a prayer I actually said that prayer just about every sunday in my life just to be sure and there ain't nothing wrong with that and then i went and i got baptized but the thing is that turned out to just be the beginning I was a child, so I was obviously growing in wisdom and learning and faith and understanding. And I was very grateful for this ministry of rescue in my life. 
But as I leaned into that gratitude, as I learned more about this Jesus, as I continued to walk in faith, my second conversion came maybe more than in my teenage years, and it became kind of a ministry we'll call of righteousness. This passage actually talks a lot about living into the righteousness of Christ, right? And that started to make sense to me. I wanted to live into the righteousness of Christ. I've said often, and I'll keep saying, if for no other reason, get on the Jesus plan because the Jesus plan works. The Jesus plan has done well for me. Trying to live rightly with God and rightly with neighbor has served me extraordinarily well, I would say. And I don't want to say that in a braggadocious way. I want to say that in a humble and gracious way that says, thank you, family. Thank you, mom and dad. Thank you, church. Thank you, Jesus, for claiming me at an early age, for rescuing me. And then equipping me to try and just live rightly again with God and neighbor, just trying to live into the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We say that often, right? Certainly has biblical foundations. We make Jesus our savior, but we also call him our Lord. So I was just trying to live rightly. I was trying to do right by God and family. And in my culture and kind of my background in that area, it was don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. And I always say that severely limited my dating opportunities on not dating any girls who didn't chew tobacco in Western Pennsylvania. But that's another story for another time. So I was trying to live rightly, and that sustained me for a long time. And again, I'm very grateful for it. But by the time I was coming into my young adult years, it still felt like something was missing. It still felt like maybe I wasn't all the way there. Not that Christ's work was incomplete, but the work was maybe incomplete in me. That maybe there was more to this life of following Jesus than just getting rescued. Maybe there's more to this life of being a Christian than just trying to live a personally moral and upright life. Maybe there is actually a mission that I could be a part of. Maybe there is actually a call to become a part of a ministry of reconciliation. And I'm very grateful then that at about that time of life in my young adult years, and actually it would have been during my college years, that some people took me under their wing and I started to embrace being mentored and discipled and kind of starting to make my faith my own. And they began to explain and make sense to me that yes, George, in fact, it very often starts if you start as a child with a ministry of rescue. And praise God that you certainly embraced a ministry of righteousness and lived rightly before God and neighbor, and that served you well. But there is more. There is a ministry of reconciliation to which Jesus Christ and God your Father, by the empowering presence of the Spirit in your lives, wants you to take a hold of and understand and begin to live into. Maybe if you're a child and you're growing up in the church, and I think it's a good thing to raise our children in the church, maybe you have to go through those stages. Maybe you have to embrace Jesus first as your Savior and allow yourself to be rescued Hallelujah and amen. Maybe it's enough through our growing years then to simply live into the lordship of Christ and try to save ourselves from much of the pain and brokenness, the hurt and the harm that can come from our world. But as you move into adulthood or if in adulthood you're exploring faith, maybe it can happen all at once. One giant package coming to you as the ministry of reconciliation.
And that is what I wanna invite you today because that is what our passage actually unpacks for us today is that we can fully live into this ministry of reconciliation. Here's how Paul starts it. Let me get the text in front of me and get my notes clear here because I wanna walk you through this passage and this invitation that it gives to us. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Our very way of viewing the world, viewing life begins to become transformed. Amen, friends? This is what happens when we step into the rescue and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He begins to put on these lenses of the ministry of reconciliation onto us. It happens to every one of us. It's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, whenever you buy a new car, you think you're like the only one. I remember this past year, uh, Robin needed a new car. She wore me down, so I finally got her the Nissan Rogue. That has a superhero name to it. So I was like, oh, cool, I'll take that one. I'll be like the only kid on the block with that car. Lo and behold, it turns out every other car on the road is a Nissan Rogue. This isn't a Nissan Rogue ad, except that, isn't that crazy? how you get something and all of a sudden it's all around you you're looking for a house all of a sudden oh I see house for sale signs everywhere that I never noticed before you have kids oh there's a playground there's a children's store there's a children's clothing store oh there's the elementary school you're you begin to change, right? Just the way you view the world changes in very simple but pragmatic ways whenever we put on new lenses in life. And that's what Christ is saying. You, you, as you embrace my salvation, as you live into my lordship, the way you view the world is going to be transformed and it's going to get conformed, not by the lenses of a prescription, but by the lenses of my reconciliation. And you're going to begin to see all of these things in this world that need to have the hands of the ministry of reconciliation all over them. It begins to transform the way we view ourselves. Perhaps first and foremost, we begin to see ourselves as reconciled to God through Jesus Christ as the passage points to us. That begins to well up gratitude gratitude upon gratitude as this grace upon grace has been lavished upon us and our identity begins to transform and change for me for many of us yes jesus you are my lord yes jesus i'm sorry yes jesus you are my savior yes i will begin to live in the lordship of jesus christ but now this ministry and this mission of reconciliation let it begin to transform the very way i see and understand myself if you are looking for your identity please always lean first into your identity in jesus christ and your identity as a minister of reconciliation. I don't care if you're uh, you know, pop or goth or punk or industrial or grunge, and I'm probably dating myself because I don't even know what the contemporary categories are anymore. The point is all of that, all things, everything needs to fall under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and our identity first and foremost coming through him. We live in a divided world that is ever seeking to push and expand the division between people. 
the call of Christ and the ministry of reconciliation is for us to begin to bring people together in Jesus Christ. Embrace your role and identity in Jesus Christ. It begins to transform our view of the world as we begin to understand that we are stewards, that we will actually give an account for our lives, for our resources, for our time, for our energies, for our efforts. We will give account for stewarding the opportunities that God gives us. And that is to be an exciting thing, that we can come before God when we stand before Jesus Christ in his return and in our resurrection, we can stand before him and say, God, I sought to honor you with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I sought to honor you, yes, in my personal life. I sought to honor you in my marriage, how I love my spouse. I sought to honor you in raising children on your behalf. I sought to honor and glorify you in my work. I sought to honor you in all areas of life. We become stewards and we get to joyfully celebrate how we invest these things for God's kingdom. Jesus talks a great deal about the issue of stewardship, taking and seizing all of these opportunities, all of these talents, not letting, allowing them to lay buried, if you remember that parable, but investing them, allowing them to grow, allowing them to flourish, allowing them to glorify and point others toward God. So we embrace our role as stewards. We begin to see people differently. We stop labeling people in ways that divide us. And we start labeling on people first and foremost, this person is a fellow image bearer of God. This person is a brother or sister for whom Christ died on the cross and gave his life and wants rescue and righteousness and redemption and reconciliation in their life. We allow the transformation of the way we view other people so that we will not be separated by walls of hostility, but the bridge of reconciliation can be built between men and women, different cultures, different nations, different races, all of us coming together in Jesus Christ. I could, I could, I could go off <laughs> on all of this, except I hope it's coming together that it begins to transform the very way we see the world. We can't see the world any longer in any other way. We become ministers of reconciliation as our eyes are transformed. And please just remember this part, begin to see one another, not through these labels of division, but the one label that binds us all together is the family of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as children of our heavenly father, dearly loved by him. And I love that every Sunday, how we practice coming together. And as God is doing a great work, I believe here at Connections, as I look out, it's wonderful to see Americans and Canadians to see uh, uh, Koreans and Chinese and Indonesians and Africans coming together more and more under the banner, under the name of Jesus Christ. This is, amen, this is an outworking of this ministry of reconciliation, binding us together. And this is an incredibly powerful witness to our world. Paul, though, goes on, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation, say new creation. new creation. 
Thank you. I just need to know you're still with me. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Oh, hallelujah and amen for fresh beginnings, new starts, born again, baptism in Jesus Christ. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And this is, of course, the call here to this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us this message of reconciliation. Here's an interesting thing. I'm gonna walk you through this for just a moment. Bear with me. It's very interesting to actually go through, of course, then, and read through Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. We think there was four. We have one and two. There's a lot there. But again, I encourage you on your own, Take a read through. As you read through, Paul is, of course, touching upon over and over again this ministry of reconciliation. In 1 Corinthians, uh, as you read through that, like in chapters 6 and 7, he is just railing against the sexual immorality of the culture. There's like this, I won't get into the gory details, but I mean, there's like 12 different um, 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 temples and temple prostitution is a thing. And women and children and men are being oppressed and being abused and being held hostage. And it is awful. And he's saying, we don't live like that anymore. And he goes through and he talks about people that are a Jew and Gentile, rich and poor. It's an incredibly wealthy city. It's literally kind of at this crossroads and just money is flowing through. Uh, it's an incredibly uh, religiously diverse uh, community. Again, I said there's at least 12 different temples of worship of different gods happening here. Uh, he, he gets into this issue with food being sacrificed to idols. And he's like, we know idols are false. So, hey, you can eat the meat sacrificed to idols. You can drink the drink that's offered to them because we know it's all false. But if that causes your brother, or your sister to stumble, then God forbid, just don't do that. It's not worth division. To, to engage in these practices. And he just keeps going through this. Now, here's what's interesting about this. People have actually gone to great depth to study what was then marking the church in Corinth and in Rome and in Ephesus and Philippi and Galatians and Colossae. We have all these wonderful letters to all these churches. This community is emerging. And there's a great resource that came out uh, right before COVID. It was called How to Win the West Again. Uh, and it was just some reflections on how the gospel can communicate to those of us in what is classically and often called a Western context. We know that's a limited perspective, but Bear with me and we'll just stick with it because it works for us in this context. So uh, it's probably already dated because of COVID. It kind of got overshadowed by the last two years of the pandemic, but it had some great insights. And this is the insight that has stuck with me ever since I first read that more than two years ago. Very insightful. It says, what was marking and setting apart the church in all of these cities and all of these different cultures and all of these different context. And it said, first thing is that the church was incredibly multicultural. Literally people from every tribe, nation, tongue, and race were coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ and saying, these things that used to separate and divide us, actually, this isn't how we view the world anymore. We are viewing one another now through the lens of Christ, and we are a community coming together as the body of Christ. Said so the second thing that was radical about it is that it was radically pro-life. People regularly practice infanticide, setting out babies to die or putting out orphans and widows, quite literally, to die. We're done with you. You don't provide for our culture, our society, our civilization anymore. There you go. And the Christians were 
welcoming, bringing in these abandoned babies, these orphans, these widows. They are bringing them into the community of Christ. Uh, the community was radically, radically generous. They were selling their possessions to give one, to one another so that no one in the community was living in need. Everyone was being taken care of. The fourth thing it says is that they were uh, radically sexually pure. They simply embraced what was taught that marriage is the covenant between a man and a woman and to live uh, in, as a single was to live in, uh, in uh, chastity. Now, if you put our modern label, oh, and the fifth one was that they were radically pacifistic. They were literally laying down their lives and being martyred in the name of Jesus Christ. And then the document had this insight. It said, if you put the labels on that, here's how it would go. So the community was radically, radically inclusive, multicultural, embracing refugees, foreigners, aliens, everyone, incredibly liberal. Again, limited understandings of these definitions or just, you know, with the modern kind of understandings of these. Incredibly liberal. Wait, it was also incredibly pro-life, celebrating the sanctity of life at every stage. Oh, incredibly conservative. Wait a second. It was actually kind of a Christian socialistic community where everyone was giving to everybody in need. Oh, incredibly liberal. Wait a second. It was also radically sexually pure. Oh, very conservative. But wait, there's more. It was also incredibly pacifistic, non-retaliatory, loving enemies, even laying down one's life, defying all categories. So what is it? Is it liberal? Is it conservative? Is it what? Guess what it is? It's nothing that the world knows how to label until it's given the label of being the church of Jesus Christ, embracing the ministry of reconciliation. The world, our culture, our neighbors need us to put aside, to put underneath all other labels except for the label of Christ, the banner of his church and this ministry of reconciliation. The world doesn't need us taking sides in their fights. It needs us shouting from the mountaintops the rescue offered through salvation in Jesus Christ, his lordship taking over all areas of life and the promise of the ministry of reconciliation that comes again in his promise return. Amen, friends? Can I get an amen on that? We need, the world needs us to fully embrace now the final conversion, kind of the final step. It's not just about rescue. Rescue is awesome. Hallelujah. Amen. I embrace your rescue and your salvation. It's not just about living personally under the lordship of Jesus Christ, although hallelujah and amen. I'll take your lordship and I'll try to live by it, but to live into this ministry of reconciliation. The world needs us to be ministers of reconciliation. Embracing the ministry of reconciliation means that we need am ambassadors. That's what the passage then tells us. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I needed more from my faith. Hallelujah and amen, Jesus offers us more. 
It's not just rescue. It's not just righteousness. It is about reconciliation. We need, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what really began to transform and begin to guide and direct my life. All areas must come under the authority of Jesus Christ because all areas, every square inch of all creation, the famous words of Abram Kuyper, every square inch and all of creation, Jesus Christ claims as mine. We bring it into the ministry of reconciliation. So do we need ministers of reconciliation preaching the gospel? Oh, oh I, I don't know. I don't know. Do we need ministers of reconciliation preaching the gospel? Yes. Oh, thank you. I got job security. I do appreciate that. Yes, we need ministers of reconciliation preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Do we need ministers of reconciliation in the classroom? Yes. Do we need ministers of reconciliation in the business world? Do we need ministers of reconciliation in the arts? Yes. You're losing enthusiasm. You're supposed to be gaining enthusiasm at this point. Do we need ministers of reconciliation creating art? Yes. Do we need ministers of reconciliation caring for the old? Yes. Do we need ministers of reconciliation caring for the young? I could go, okay, I think you did get it. We need, is there any area in life where we do not need the ministry of reconciliation reaching in its hand? Of course not. That's the ministry of reconciliation. All things, all things reconciled to Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, if you need a mission, if you need a reason for live, if you, if you need a label, oh, there is none better. There is none better than I am a part of the ministry of reconciliation. Whenever I was writing this manuscript, actually for this, in order to just make it go faster, I actually create little acronyms. And instead of writing the Ministry of Reconciliation, which the way I type would take me forever, I just kept putting more. And then I took a step back and I looked at it and I was like, oh, that, 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 that is actually what it's all about. I want more. I want more than just rescue. I want more actually than just his lordship. I want to be a part of it, Jesus. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation. I want more and hallelujah and amen. He offers us more and the more is the ministry of reconciliation. Carlos, you can get up here. You can begin to take us out and get ready to take us out and worship because I got to drive this one home. Let me recap and bring it all together then, um, hopefully for us in a way that will make sense and maybe make an impact in our church and your life. If this is all new for you, we are so glad you're here. We're so glad somebody invited you or you took a chance and you just came here. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior, today can be the day. Just as you are without one plea, but that his blood was shed for thee, the lamb of God, you can come. You can come as we sing this last song. You can come as I offer a final prayer and you can receive him as your savior. As chapter six, verses one and two says, today is the day of salvation and you can receive that gift from God. But then there's more. He also says that God forbid that we should let this grace come to us in vain. I love that, that we would receive God's grace in vain. You, you can embrace maybe the second stage and say, it's time for me to really live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I want to align myself now with Christ and the way that he calls and invites me to live. And I would invite anybody to say the Jesus plan works. If for no other reason, just try it out for a pragmatic purpose. I think the Jesus plan is the best plan. Just try getting on the Jesus plan for a while. 
Try to live in a way that honors him in your personal life. I think you'll be blessed. I think your neighbors will be blessed. I think our world will be blessed. But if you're ready to go all the way, which I kind of hope you are, <laughs> embrace the ministry of reconciliation. Embrace the label that Jesus wants to put on you. Guess what? You're now my ambassador. An ambassador is a citizen of one nation representing that nation to another nation or people. Our citizenship now lies in heaven. Our citizenship transcends being black or white, rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, Republican or Democrat, whatever label is over Jesus Christ, it's in the wrong place. It comes under his lordship. It comes under our label as being ambassadors, citizens of the kingdom of God, representing him in this world until he comes again. Oh, and I think our world needs some good ambassadors. I pray we'll become very good ambassadors. I pray that we will embrace this ministry of reconciliation. Um, let me draw it home with a, with a, with a quote. Uh, Josh told a horrible St. Patrick's Day a joke <laughs> at the men's breakfast the other day. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the fastest growing capital in the world? Capital of Ireland. It's Dublin every day. It's Dublin. Uh, but um, but Okay. It reminded me of a story I heard ages ago, actually. Have you ever heard the expression, it's an Irish expression, chancing one's arm? Anybody heard that one? Chancing one's arm? There's a great story behind it. It starts in 1492 at the Cathedral of St. Patrick. In 1492 in Ireland, there are these two warring clans. If I have the name right, and I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget them, just so you know it's actual history, the Ormond family and the Kildare family. They had been at war with one another for what seemed to be ages. It kind of came to a climax, and they were literally at the point of bringing weapons and sharing blows with one another. And the one family, knowing that it was about to be defeated, ran to the cathedral of St. Patrick and claimed refuge. Refuge, refuge, the old city of refuge, just like the Old Testament. They claimed it, and they took safety and security there. As the other clan was approaching, it began to dawn on them that they were literally approaching the house of God, their house of worship, their place where their babies were baptized, the place where they celebrated communion, that place where week in and week out they had been hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God must have done a work in the hearts of that one clan because they approached the door they began to beat on the door with one of their battle axes. The family thought that surely they were about to be slaughtered literally in the cathedral of St. Patrick. But as they blew a hole through that door, the head of the one clan reached his arm out and extended an open hand. And the head of the other clan took that arm and they embraced. And they opened the door and they were reconciled to other. You know, God chanced his son, Jesus Christ, when he came vulnerably to us and extended his arm to us. We know that we took that arm and we nailed it to a cross. But we also know that by that cross has been extended to us now, this ministry of reconciliation. I invite you to chance your arm to God.
to chance your life to him, to chance it all on this ministry of reconciliation. That as God has reached his hand out to us, we can take hold and be brought into life. That as Jesus Christ has showed us the best way to live, we can live under his lordship. As Jesus now invites us, we become partners, ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. I pray you'll say yes right now. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, on behalf of my brothers and sisters here, I simply want to give an invitation. Just as we are, we come to you. We come to you and we ask for your salvation. We come to you and offer our lives under your banner of lordship. And now we embrace our new identity as your ambassadors and say, make us now ministers of reconciliation to this broken world. Let us shine your light. Let us share your good news. Let us model an example that in the house of God is the family of God and every tribe and nation and tongue, every people from every place will be gathered and call you Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. Let's worship.